Wasn't that a fantastic time just enjoying God together? I just thought it was wonderful. Guys, thank you so much for how you led us in that. Well done, church. Well done, engaging with God. It's important that we do that. It's important that we just spend time enjoying him, enjoying his presence, delighting ourselves in him. Just wonderful, wonderful. Well, I wonder how you come to a day like today. Gift weeks. Is it that sense of, yippee, I love gift weeks? Hmm. The laughter may suggest something different. Perhaps it's not a game. These come far too often. I find gift weeks really challenging. I love them, yet hate them. Just being real. It's a great opportunity to see how God will use each and every one of us in his great plan. It's a great opportunity for each of us, for me to express and grow in my faith. Yet also, it's an opportunity to give way to, to, to fear. A sense of pressure, perhaps. A sense of guilt, perhaps. Of what I've got to give. Maybe get grumpy. Gift we can in church. Always after my money. Or to respond in other similar ways. The reality I would like to suggest to us is there are key moments in life which God gives us where we have a choice as to how we respond. And as we respond, the way in which we respond, God will use that moment to cause us to grow in our faith, to cause us to grow in our trust in God. And I'd like to suggest that gift weeks are one of those moments. You see, we can either move into that place of faith where this is God and God, what do you want to do with me? How do you want to use me? How are you going to cause me to grow through and in this? Or we can miss the moment and we can go, oh, I'm just going to ignore this. <laughs> I'm just going to bury my head in the sand. I'm going to ignore it's happening because I don't want that challenge. The problem is, though, if we ignore the challenge, we also miss the opportunity for growth, to deepen our faith in God, to grow in trust in God. And, of course, in the Bible, it's very clear to us that God has a lot to say about our attitude with money and finance and possessions. It's the second most highly um, talked about subject by Jesus after the kingdom of God. If you look at the number of verses given over to money, or attitude to money, possessions, finance. So I'd like to encourage us as we come to our gift week today, let's see it as a growth moment. Let's see it as an opportunity for God to cause us to grow. And to help us do that, we're going to look at this passage in John. And probably the images will give you a clue if you didn't know what we're going to be looking at. We're going to look at how 
Jesus fed 5,000 people with a couple of fish and some bread. So if you've got your Bible with you, please turn to John chapter 6. You see, I think what we can learn from this is we can see how Jesus' disciples responded to a growth moment. And in seeing how Jesus' disciples responded to a growth moment, perhaps we can also then learn how we can respond to a growth moment. So if you've got your Bible with you, we're going to read the first 13 verses of John chapter 6. I'm reading from the NIV, the New International Version. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already knew what he had in mind, what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one of us to have a bite. Another of Jesus' disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that, in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them, which means there was actually many more than 5,000 people there. Jesus then took the loaves. He gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all, that's all, whatever it was, 5,000 men plus everybody else, so possibly 10, maybe 15,000 people, who knows, had enough to eat. He said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left, left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Father, we want to thank you that your word is there because it brings a revelation of who you are and all you're about. And we ask, Lord, would you help us to get hold of that revelation today? Let your word shape us, let it mold us, let it draw us closer to you, that we in turn would be all that you've called us to be to this world around us. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. Well, I'd like to suggest to you that growth moments like these uh, for the disciples don't come much more significant than trying to feed uh, 5,000 people. In fact, uh, you'll find different accounts, but basically the same story in all four of the Gospels. It's rare to find very much which uh, gets into all four of the Gospels, but this is one of those moments where this account, this story gets into all four Gospels. It was significant. I wonder what your response would have been if you were there that day. 
I try to put myself in the shoes of the disciples. And these were my honest reflections. They aren't our problem. We aren't responsible for them. Send them away, Jesus. Jesus, if you try and do anything with this crowd, it could go awfully wrong. It could be really embarrassing. Are you sure you want to do this, Jesus? They aren't our liability. We didn't ask them here. It's not my fault, our fault. Who did invite them? They're all expressions of fear, of the orphan heart, of not being sure that God can cope with the situations he puts us in. Let's look at the response of the disciples. Philip, great Philip. He's already sussed what's going on. He's already worked out the answer to the problem. He goes, really, eight months' wages just to give everybody a bit of bread, Jesus. Just one bite of bread. That's not feeding them. That's just one bite of bread. He's highly responsible. He's, he's ahead of the curve. He's, it's great. But fundamentally, the scale of the need has swamped him. And he's lost the big picture of what Jesus can do. Do you know, friends, we can sometimes be so task-focused, so orientated about the need that we lose perspective on who God is and what God is able to do. Let's keep reminding ourselves. You know, that's why worship is so important in worship, in delighting ourselves in God, in, in choosing to fix our eyes on him, we remind ourselves who he is. In reminding ourselves who he is, we understand who we are. And we get that relationship right. And in that process, we can also remind ourselves of all that God is able to do. Well, we come to Andrew's response. Surely his response can be better. With a name like that, it's got to be better. Oh, dear. Well, I think he does do a little bit better. Somehow, Andrew has also sussed what's going on here. And somehow, we don't, we don't know the backstory. he's got hold of a boy's lunch. We don't know whether he stole it off him. I guess it's an option. Whether he went and found this boy, he'd gone amongst the people and he'd perhaps even spotted this boy just about to tuck into his lunch. Synergy, over in the corner, it's great to have you with us. Can you imagine if you were at school and you were just about to tuck into your lunch and you've got your lunchbox all out and you're really, really hungry. And I come running past and steal, uh, steal your bottle of exotic mango Diet Coke, which to me sounds revolting. Catch, you can have it back. Don't open it, it's shaken. 
Bash, it's the Skittles I really... Oh, you're too quick on the Skittles. Cookies? No, cookies are empty. Oh, dear. I give up. But can you imagine if somebody came running past like that and took your lunch off you? Where would you be at? You'd be thinking, I'm hungry, and that man, Andrew, he's gone and stolen my lunch. Somewhere, though, Andrew seems to have got hold of the idea that if he's got some basic resources, God can do something with it. Of course, then, actually, there is the boy's response, too. We don't know much about him. We don't know his name, even. Don't know how old he is. What we do know is he's probably come from a really poor family because the type of food he's got is the food which somebody from a poor background would have, barley bread and some fish. It may have been his only meal for the whole day. It may even have been he wouldn't then eat for the following day. We don't know. But we do know that that was the type of food that somebody from a poor background would have had. And the boy's response is amazing. However it happens, we don't know. He goes, hint, hint, Amy, you can have all of it. Are you sure about those Skittles? <laughs> it's okay, I'm not really after them. He threw his all in. He took hold of everything that we know he had all that was going to sustain him, all that was going to keep him. And he threw his all in. He said, Andrew, you can have the lot. Wow. As if two fish and five barley loaves was going to make any difference in feeding more than 5,000 people. Had he got hold of something of who Jesus was? Did he know there was going to be a miracle involving his packed lunch? We don't know. We know nothing about him. It's incredible, isn't it? How God can use us because he knows everything about us. How God can take our circumstances and use them for his glory in powerful phenomenal ways. He threw his all in. <laughs> I wonder what he thought as he did it. Try to put myself in his shoes. My instant thought was, why didn't I hold some back? I could have given four loaves. I could have given one fish. I would have been sorted. But he seems to have got hold of some really good principles. Principles which would serve us well. Things like we give to Jesus first, we don't hold anything back. If he really is Lord of all lords and King of all kings, if he is the great I am, if he is the Jehovah Jireh, the provider of all of our needs, then we never need to hold anything back from him. We give to Jesus first and fully. We don't hold anything back. 
I think he'd also learnt something else. I'd call it this, obedience with the little. Jesus had actually quite a lot to say about this in the parable of the talents. You can read about it elsewhere in the Gospels. Faithfulness with little is important. God uses our faithfulness even with the very little, even with the food of a little boy from a poor background. I wonder how you're doing in learning those things. I wonder how I'm doing in learning those things when I look at some of my reaction like, well, I'd held back a bit. That would be nice. I'd kept my lunch, a bit of lunch just so I was okay and let, let, the, let Andrew have the other four bits of bread and perhaps one or maybe both fish because I don't like fish much anyway. Oh. Let's give to Jesus. Let's get all in. There's one other person's response we need to think about here. You won't be surprised to hear it's Jesus. In one sense, he starts all of this because of his question in verse 5. His question to the disciples, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And then John tells us, he asks this only to test, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And sometimes Jesus wants to ask us questions because he wants to see our heart. He wants to reveal to us our heart. He asks questions of us. Are you all in? Are you all in? Are you prepared to trust me? The thing is, when Jesus asks that question of us, we then have a choice. We have a choice. Yeah, Lord, help me in my unbelief. I'm all in. Here's what I've got. Or we can withdraw and go, it's mine. No, 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 I don't want it. And Jesus lets us get away with both of those choices. That's grace and mercy. But he calls us to one. He calls us out to one. I think the thing which particularly strikes me most about Jesus' response, though, is this. He sees the people's need through his Father's eyes. And that's so powerful. He sees the people's need through the Father's eyes. Friends, let's not just sense things that we do in the natural, that's okay. But let's let the Father stir what he wants to do through us and in us. I wonder how our Father in heaven sees our street, the street you live in. I wonder how our Father in heaven sees the needs of our town, of the school you're at if you're part of Synergy, of the workplace you work in.
ask if you ever asked him? Good thing to do. Father, help me see the needs around me. Help me see what you're wanting to do around me. We're told Jesus did only what he saw the Father doing. That's a pretty good model then for us to follow. Why not take a risk? Why not push the boat out? And pray a dangerous prayer. Father, show us the needs around us and what you want to do about them. Now you may think, Andrew, I sort of get the link to a gift week and yet I don't. Why are you preaching from this passage when we're coming to a gift week? Shouldn't you just be talking about money? Well, the reality is this isn't actually about money. It's about our hearts. The reality is this isn't about clearing the mortgage as such, even though, I don't know the exact number, but we owe about £620,000, give or take a few thousand on the building at the moment. The reality is what this is about is our hearts before God and his plans and purposes for us as a people and for the town and villages we live in and for the glory and honour of his name. And money can either get in the way of that or it can serve that. Our personal resources whether it's five barley loaves and two fish, whether it's the cash in the bank we have, the hopes and dreams we hold for possessions or material status or whatever it may well be. I believe God wants to do a work in our hearts today. And so I just want to say this now. You know, if you feel that I'm working up to a moment where we're going to say, and now you've got to give your socks off, and you should feel pressurized, and you should feel, oh goodness, I'm going to be awful and rotten, and Andrew's going to hate me for the rest of my life unless I pledge my house and my car and everything else I've got. Please don't. Paul gives some wonderful principles in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, chapters 8 and 9. He talks about growing in the grace of giving. He talks about sowing with what we have. Yes, because there is a, an end time harvest when we are in glory, there will be a harvest to be had as well of what we sow. Give some fantastic principles about the grace of giving and growing in the grace of giving. Sure, absolutely. And we all need to do just that. Instead, what I want to just do for a moment, though, is talk about vision. You see, our gift week isn't per se about paying the mortgage off. Yes, we want to clear the mortgage. But why do we want to clear the mortgage? Well, if we can clear the mortgage, we release resources, more and more resources for what God's called us to in this place in autumn. Now, our mortgage costs us £7,800 a month, give or take a few quid. That's a massive amount of money. We are so grateful to all of those of you who give regularly into our building fund 
to enable us to do that. We don't quite cover that, which is why we do two gift weeks a year to top that up and also then to make overpayments because we want to, if possible, see our mortgage cleared by the end of 2020. Sorry, did you hear that right? That is about, give or take, 21 months away. Andrew, how much did you say we owe? About 620,000. Hang on, that's give or take 30 grand a month we need then. Ooh. Yeah. How on earth are we going to do it? We can get into a Philip moment, can't we? We can do the maths. We can say, well, if we've got 160 members in this church, if we divide 30,000 by 160 and we come up with some number as to what that is, and if each person gives that number, we could get there. And we could. But the reality is some of us aren't in a place where we could give that much. The reality is some of us may not be in the place where we want to give that much. We can't do it through maths. We can't do it through pressure. In fact, to be frank, I don't think we can do it without a miracle. But then, what have we just been reading about? Five barley loaves and two fish feeding 5,000 plus people. I reckon that's a miracle. God take the faithfulness of a little boy and some old soul, some disciples who are not always uh, in the best place. And he does a miracle. Wow. You may say, well, why is it so important to clear the mortgage? We want to release finance. We want to have this building free to be used more and more as an outreach. You know, that's part of the desire of this building. It's not just a place for us to meet. If it was, I think I'd want to sell it tomorrow. If I'm honest. It would seem so selfish to be putting all that resource just into a place for us to meet. It's a place for us to reach people. It's a facility. It's a tool for the glory of God. It's part of who we are, uh, part of an expression of who we are to the town around us. With that in mind, Nathan, do you want to just come and uh, introduce Paul and Helen to us? And uh, just talk to us for a moment about their story. Am I on? Are we on? No? Ah, there we go. We're on. Brilliant. Morning, everyone. Um, so I'm Paul, and this is Helen. Uh, we've lived in Alton for about eight years now. Uh, we used to live sort of in the Woking area and grew up in that area. A great place to grow up in. <laughs> Hello. Um, so uh, we've got two children uh, currently down in the uh, 
uh, doing the kids' work. Um, so Anna, who is six and a half, and Johnny, who's four and a half. Brilliant. And just an interesting fact for you, just to kick us off. Paul actually introduced my sister to my brother-in-law, and uh, they got married as a result of that. So there we go. Thank you, or <laughs> maybe not thank you, Paul, but there we go. An interesting <laughs> fact for you. This is being recorded. Sorry, Simon. Um, how did you both come about coming, first of all, to even using autumn mortings? What was the first introduction there? So, and, and it was quite interesting, actually, because um, you know, when you asked us to help with this, it, it actually gave us a good opportunity to think about how we've used over the time period. Um, and our actual introduction to the mortings was um, when we started doing NCT classes for the arrival of Anna. So, uh, yeah, really, really nice that that was our introduction to the Maltings itself. Um, but then, over time, um, we used it for various other things, and I'll probably hand over to Helen, because she starts using it a lot more than I did. Um, so I've come with the children for various toddler groups, um, play groups, um, that kind of thing, over the years. And then, two and a half years ago, I took the step to by a franchise running children's yoga classes. And I wanted to do some public classes that other people could come to. So I asked lots of mummy friends, and I looked around town, I visited the assembly rooms and the community center, and asked people if I was gonna do a, a class, where would you like to go for a children's class? And resoundingly, the response was the Maltings, because I think people's view is the facilities here are nice, there's parking available, the cafe is lovely. So when you're bringing children for a class, people wanted to come here. So I set up a class and I was running children's yoga classes here for two years, or just over a year. Um, and then through coming each week to do those classes, um, saw posters on the wall for the Alpha course, which is something I've always been interested in doing. So I saw them each week and then finally saw it and thought, starting tonight, I really need to commit or not. So I messaged Paul and said, I really want to do this, is that okay? And would you like to come too? And so then we started coming to the Alpha course. That's brilliant, how did you find um, it? How did you find the course? The course was amazing, um, run, run very well. We met lots of lovely people and it was just a great opportunity to explore our faith and our experiences and our beliefs. And I think we found out more about each other as well. It's not really something we sit at home and talk about. Um, so yeah, that was really interesting as well. That's brilliant. And so now, uh, you did the Alpha course, it was back end of last year. What, what are you up to now? Where You're obviously here this morning, uh, but what else has been going on as well? Yeah, so from the Alpha course, um, uh, we wanted to explore attending this church um, a bit more. And so I think it was sort of, mid-December, early December, we started to start attending. Um, we used to go to a church up in Farnham, um, but uh, we've really enjoyed um, coming here and, 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 and worshipping here. So, uh, yeah, so we got more into coming. Um, and then, really nicely, um, Sean, uh, who is helping run the Alpha course, uh, offered to do kind of like, a, like an Alpha follow-up course. Um, so, like a house group at his... Um, uh, which uh, we've just started uh, on Thursday, and it's it's already looking like it's going to be really interesting and really fun um, to again sort of explore things in a in a nice group environment. That's great. 
it's brilliant how actually people can come and use the building and then a few months down the line, actually they've joined into who we are as a church. We're a community. We're reaching out. And uh, so Paul and Helen, thank you so much for sharing uh, your story. Really appreciate it. Fantastic. Isn't that a lovely story? Just to, that's what we're about. We want to share something of the love of Jesus with people who perhaps don't yet know him fully yet or don't know him at all yet. And one of the ways we can do that as a church is through providing a fantastic facility which serves our town. Let's remember we had between three and 4,000 people from our town coming through this building every month. That's 20% of our town. And just listen to what Paul and Helen had to say about, well, people wanted to be here. Why? Because we provide something which speaks of quality, it speaks of love, it speaks of wanting to serve people well. That's why we run Autumn Maltings. We don't run it for ourselves. We don't run it so we can gather here on a Sunday or bit. It's fantastic. We run it so that we can be an expression of the kingdom of God, of the good news of the kingdom of God advancing to Alton and beyond. And that's why we want to clear the mortgage. That's why we want to be able to release funding so that we can actually give to other ministries, to other developments and serve our town all the more. That's why we're doing a gift week today. If you want to get involved, great. If you don't, that's fine. There's no pressure. That passage I was referring to in 2 Corinthians, you may want to read it later on. Paul says, don't give under compulsion. Give because you want to. Because God loves a cheerful or hilarious giver. I, hey, I'm going to trust God in this. Yeah, this is mad. I'm going to give that much. Never given that much before. But I'm just going to trust God with it. Because he's the great provider. He's the one who looks after my finances. And I'm in submission to him. And if he says give that much, that's fine. I'll give that much. (coughs) Friends, feeding 5,000 requires steps of faith. Reaching autumn requires steps of faith. As we take steps of obedience in God to what he speaks to us, we'll find he encourages us and helps us take greater steps. We do that individually. We do that corporately together. So just coming to our gift week, what are we aiming for? Well, we've said, wouldn't it be great if we could see 50,000 plus gift aid given? as a result of this gift week. This is the first of two Sundays where we'll be taking up this offering. That's an extraordinary amount of money. It's one which perhaps some of us have started to come a little bit comfortable with because over the last few gift weeks, we've seen that sort of money given, but we don't take it for granted that that means that that's what will happen this time. It could be more, it could be less. If we're faithful to what God says to us, though, We can trust him that he will do the miracle through us, through our faithful giving. 
How do we do it? Well, there's an envelope like this under your seat. You may have not come prepared today for a gift week. In which case, just take the envelope away with you. You don't need to do anything with it today. You can take it away, you can pray over it, and say, God, how do you want me to respond to this? And then come back next week with it. Or in fact, you'll find all the bank details are on the envelope, on the reverse of the envelope. You can just put some you know, online transfer or whatever into the bank account, and that's it, done. For some of us, though, we may be in that place where we've been in prayer about it, and we know I want to respond now. And that's great, too. And you'll see on the front of the envelope, there's three different things. There's continue or increase our regular giving. You may already be regularly giving. You may want to just say, I'm going to continue to do that. That's great. That's still a statement of faith. You may say, oh, yeah, but it's what I'm already doing. You may say, I want to increase it or decrease it. That's fine. You can indicate that on the envelope. The second box is saying, I want to regularly uh, start to regularly give to the building fund. That's great. You can fill that one in. You can tell us how much it is a month, how many months, or, or, or whether it's open-ended. You tick a box and you put a start date. The third one's this. You may want to give a, a one-off gift. It may be five pounds. It may be five million pounds or anything in between. Mind you, don't let me limit you to five million. <laughs> you can put the amount in. And you can say, I'll redeem it within one, two, or three months. We aren't going to come knocking on your door and say, redeem your pledge, please. Okay? This is between you and God. We'll, let you, we'll then leave it down to you. If you can, great. If you, circumstances change, we understand. Please, though, don't, don't be reckless in filling that one in, because obviously we... Uh, uh, plan on the basis of what has been said. And then on the back, it's very simple. There's a gap for your name, <coughs> gap for your phone number, and a gap for your email address. That's just so we know who's pledged. It's not so we're going to come chasing you. But actually, really importantly, particularly if you're putting cash in this envelope, and if you're filled in the gift aid form, it allows us to get the gift aid back. Gift aid means basically we get 25 pounds for every 100 pounds you give. It's phenomenal. It's the biggest tax break you'll ever get. And if you're a 40% taxpayer or a higher rate taxpayer, actually you get the rest of it back too. You may not have known that. If you didn't and you are a higher rate taxpayer, there's a conversation you need to have with HMRC about your giving if you're giving under gift aid. You may say, I've never filled in a gift aid form. Well, there's giving leaflets on the table here where the books are. You can pick one of those up, you can fill in a gift aid form, and then you can uh, put a gift in. Could we ask, though, that the gift aid form, if you're putting the gift in today, the gift aid form needs to be filled in before the gift. So in a moment, when we come to a place of worship and delighting in God again in song, and if, if I could invite the band back, that would be really helpful, please. You may need to go across there and get that form and fill it in. It's a really, really simple form. The leaflet's called giving. You can just wander across there at any point now, even while I'm talking, and pick one of those up. And then you don't even need to seal the envelope if you don't want to, because it's one of those horrible ones which probably tastes foul if you lick it. You can just fold the lid over and uh, pop it in the offering, which will come around in during the second song. So during the first song... You may want to sit, you may want to respond, you may know that you need to do business with God in other ways off the back of this. It may not actually be anything to do with your finances today whatsoever. 
Maybe you just need to say, God, I need to give you my heart again. And so the first song is an opportunity for us to just respond. And if that involves filling this envelope in, filling the envelope in. The second song, then the offering will be taken up. Is that okay? Make sense? Because we're going to go over this morning, after the offering's been taken up, and if you're a parent of children downstairs, can I ask you, once the offering basket's gone past you, even though we're still in that song, to head downstairs and go and claim your children and thank the children's team, please. I think that's covered everything. I haven't actually looked at my notes. Let me have a quick look just in case. <laughs> yes. Great. Let's enjoy God together. Um, band, please help us. Thomas, can we have, we bow down, we bow our hearts. Thank you. <coughs>
Thank you.
Father, we, um, we've offered up these things in a sense. We just offer them to you. And we pray, Father, that you'll receive these. We know it's just, it's just a gift. It's an expression of our hearts. It's not the money thing. But, Lord, we just offer up to you our thanks and our gratefulness. And we trust that those who have responsibility will have the wisdom to use it and uh, in all the good ways. Father, we thank you, and we just give this up to you. And Lord, we want to thank you for this morning. We want to thank you for the time together. We want to thank you for the opportunity to worship our God and spend some time with one another. Amen. Amen.